had all these adults that taught me the love of Jesus and I saw it through them, but then they all went away. And that's where I got stuck to where I didn't have anywhere to go. And the one woman that everybody would have looked at at church was my mom. Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. Every Thursday, we are sharing a new episode in our Your Story Matters podcast series. This is an opportunity for people from Collective to be real about their brokenness and what God has done and is doing in their lives. These stories will be real and raw and vulnerable, and we hope they encourage and inspire you in your own faith to share your story. To watch the sermons from the Your Story Matters series or to find out more, you can head to www.mycollective.church YSM. We hope you enjoyed these stories. Welcome back to the Your Story Matters podcast. I'm so thankful you're joining us again today for another story, um, another opportunity for someone to share uh, what life has been like highs and lows, and um, how God's been there through them all. You know, one of the imageries that we use for the Your Story Matters podcast is a key, and an uncut key isn't useful, right? It's a, you put it into a door, doesn't unlock anything, but it's when the key is cut, um, and sometimes it's the deepest cuts that allow us to unlock what God has for us and unlock what God has for our church and unlock what God has for others. And so um, over the past few months, that's what these stories have been about. And I would just encourage you, if you are picking this up for the first time, maybe you you found us on social media, uh, maybe someone shared this with you, um, go ahead and hit pause right now and jump back to the beginning. It'll take you some time to listen to the stories, um, but really the power of this podcast is all these stories together and all these people who are willing to share, hey, this is kind of the hard stuff I've been through in my life, the peaks and the valleys, um, those low moments uh, and those even lower moments, but how I felt God's presence through it all and how God's brought me through those. Um, and uh, you'll see that and you'll feel that and you'll hear that. And um, really the point of this is to give hope and to give joy as to who God is and what he can do through those rough times of our lives and through those good times of our lives. Uh, and that's what the story is today. And so I'm really excited to have uh, Jerrica with me. Jerrica has been with Collective since the very beginning. Um, Jerrica is a leader at Collective. Um, Jerrica is someone uh, who I admire. You know, when we were going through COVID and we were really struggling with, what do we do as a church? We're online. And uh, one of the things that we did is we started uh, praying every Monday with a group of people we sat down as a staff and tried to figure out who's the first person we would ask to do that. It was Jerrica. And um, so what's really cool is Jerrica tends to be behind the scenes. Uh, you know, she is one who prays for you and cares about you. And today I'm pushing her to the front of the scene um, so that she can share her story today, which I'm really excited for you guys to hear. And so Jerrica, thanks for being a part of the podcast. And um, let's start with the, the question to kick them all off. Tell us, where did you grow up? Um, what was your childhood like and was faith a part of that childhood as you grew up? Yeah. So thanks for letting me, letting me share. Um, I was born and raised in Frederick. Go big Fred. Um, (laughs) I think, um, everyone thinks that, you know, Frederick is the way that it, 
that it has always been, but has not. It it was the cows and, and the fields and Imesville versus no Urbana. Like so, I, I'm so happy to still be here and see the growth and see the things happening. So, um, you know, I was born in actually a little town on the outskirts of Frederick. Um, me and my mom and, and we lived with my grandma. I don't really remember that part, but I remember it super country. Yeah. Um, going to great grandma's down the street and there was an outhouse. That's what you wow. used. Yeah. So um, it was super cool to have that yeah. experience, you know, farm life. But my dad was actually in um, Washington state coming out of the military, had his, he actually had a uh, marriage family there, uh, came back down to his hometown, Frederick. Um, and, you know, finally they, you know, after a few years lived with grandma and then we um, got our own little apartment um, together. So it was pretty cool to see them, you know, as I remember it, you know, kind of finding their own way, my mom finding her own way and my dad kind of restarting his life after military, after marriage and um, kind of reconnecting to, to his roots, you know, of Frederick. So um, kind of growing up um, with them both together, kind of glimpses of, you know, I remember parties happening at the apartment. Sure. They, they sure. actually weren't really young, so they okay. were still kind of partying a little bit. And um, uh, having a good time, but I, I saw the transition of them kind of um, focusing in, finding career, finding, you know, my dad ended up, you know, working at the jail, um, being a correction officer, and then my mom kind of getting in the technology field and really liking that. So, you know, kind of growing up, um, really church in the beginning, you know, first few years, pre-K, kindergarten wasn't a part of my life. Okay. Um, we were, uh, my mom was born Catholic and I was baptized Catholic when I was a baby, but then after that, really nothing. But then the first memories I have is my mom actually getting saved. Wow. Um, so she got saved, and I guess that pull of the things that she was doing to the pull of church, she put it all in there. Yeah. Um, so she was trying out churches, and that's what we did. I was right alongside the ride from her, from um, African Methodist Episcopal to Pentecostal to Kojic. We tried yeah. them all, all wow. of them at Frederick. We we visited and kind of set roots in some for a few years, and then she would move on, and then we finally settled down in, in one of the churches in Frederick, and it was everything. Um, she She did her thing on Sunday, so I was right there with her, Sunday school church, children's church, and then um, kind of going into um, – Wednesday nights, yep. you know, Awanas, yep. <laughs> I think it's called. Yeah, Awanas, yeah. Um, and then kind of um, she had the, like, a little ministry of going to nursing homes. And wow. um, then she started getting the kids to come with her, and I would go and sing for the people at the nursing home. Wow. And, you know, we were super, super involved. And my dad, you know, was kind of, he was working. He worked nights. Um, so we would go to the jail, bring him his dinner, and wow. go back home. But um, church and work and school, that was really, yeah. that was our thing. You were kind of growing up as as your parents were growing up, yeah. and and that happens, right? Especially like post military, yeah. uh, especially like when you you live in the town you grew up in. Yeah. There's there's a lot of like trying to figure out who you are in the realm of I've got family close by or I I grew up here. Um, so when you watched your mom like go all in on Jesus, what, how old were you? Do you remember? probably about six? Okay, yeah. And what did that feel like? Like like spiritually specifically? Yeah. So I remember somehow I still knew what she was or they were doing was like, maybe not right. But I remember like giving her letters like, mom, please let's do this instead. Or, you know, and, and just seeing her do it. I was so happy because we had a consistent thing to do every week and, um, to see her, you know, push into the things, you know, and then for me to follow it, it was great. Yeah. 
I imagine as a kid, it's, it's cool because you actually get to see like your parents change Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, a lot of people long for that and their Mm -hmm. parents, they, they want to see that and you kind of got a front row seat for it. And, and, and obviously in order to see change, you also have to see kind of the, the destruction or the pain or the inconsistency, whatever it may be that kind of led to the need for change. But it's so, you know, it seems like you guys went, went all in. Mm -hmm. And so what was that like as you grew up in your own faith? Um, you know, when you guys really started doing the Sunday morning, Wednesday nights, um, how old were you when you kind of got into that? And for you personally, what was faith like, you know, not just seeing what God could do in other people, but what did, what for you personally, like, how did you feel toward God and having a relationship with him? You know, first it was about, you know, just copying, copying mom, copying what she was doing, you know, um, doing the volunteer thing, which is what she taught me to do. Like I was 10 and kept going to the nursery and they're like, you don't, you need to go and the kids. And I was like, no, I want to be with the baby. So, um, they tried me out, you know, and, and said, you can stay in here, you know, once a month you can come in and hang out and learn how to be a helper. So I did that. And then by 12, I was Wednesday nights. I had four of the little elementary schoolers and by, you know, so I just kept continuing on and being, you know, the helper because we were there anyway all the time. So, um, so I was doing that. And then I started to realize that, you know, the activities that we had, you know, ocean city youth trips, things like that, that like, Hey, I should probably invest and see like what Jesus is about for myself. Um, which it still was heavily on my mom, but also like, I need to figure it out myself. So we kind of, I kind of had that experience alongside my friends to try to, you know, grow on my own. And and I was able to do that, you know, and I was able to still do the volunteer thing, still able to help in youth groups. So help be able to, you know, turn the slides on the projector and have a job, um, but be able to truly know. But because of our faith, Pentecostal, it was about, you know, getting people saved and it was about hell and it was about like, being very afraid of that. Um, so I think I had so many different friend groups. I had my friends at church, but then we had kids that my mom after, after church or after school and after work, she would actually work at a youth center. Um, so I would go to the youth center with her. It was down the street. They ended up, we ended up buying a house and it was kind of close to this youth center. So I'd be able to go up to the youth center, walk there after school and she'd be working there. And these are kids not from the community I'm from, not from the school I'm from. I went to a school that was not in my district. Um, my mom did that for a reason. Um, but I was able to experience the things that they experienced and see that my mom was kind of like their mom um, because she was the one picking them up in the, in the van and then picking them up on Wednesdays in the church van. And then during the week youth center van. Um, And I'd be in the back laying down, you know, waiting until she dropped everybody off. But um, she was the mom or the lady that everybody hated, but um, because she was always on them. Um, But to see that and then to say like, oh, we can introduce them to Jesus. And that was my thing. Like, okay, I'm going to invite as many of my friends here um, to learn about this guy. Um, And I I thought, you know, it was at some times it it felt more, to be honest, like a party. Um, on Wednesdays, um, everybody wanted to get in the van and everybody did sure. and everybody yeah. walked over to the church and, yeah. you know, it was about the food and about yep. the hanging out and boyfriends, girlfriends coming together and sure. dating at church. But, yeah. um, ultimately I think we all knew that we were learning something and, and we were there for a reason. We knew yeah. Jesus. It, it was love. Like everybody knew, like, this is the place that you can find love, even wow. if you didn't 
you know, a lot of people didn't have that at home or, or parents that honestly knew where they were. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times it was, it was great to, sad to see it, but it was great to see it because I could have friendships in different spaces, but also like we all learned about Jesus together. So yeah. um, it kind of moved towards school, you know, see you at the flagpole, yep. like leading that yep. and, um, you know, just making sure that I was in the spaces all the time with church. But I also, because I had different friend groups, I was intentional about being with church because I had to, but I also had to be kind of rebellious on the other side and have this other friend group or just try to always have myself in both, always in both worlds. And I I couldn't figure out how to not because my mom was so deep into church and this is the things you need to do that I was like, I need to rebel a little bit. I need to hang out. I need to party a little bit. So by the time high school came, I was doing rap groups in church. We made up a rap group and we were like traveling a little bit. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Does the music still exist somewhere on the it internet? It does okay. on MySpace. And, <laughs> okay. Um, all right, all right. We have our lyric folders. It's Man, it was serious. Jerica, there's yeah. a there's a weird thread in these podcasts of people who were in like bands and rap groups in the past, yeah. and somehow I'm going to figure out how to get a hold of all this yes, stuff. Yes. Uh, that'll be a whole other podcast. That'll be us going back in time. Yes. Um, okay. So, all right. Sorry. That's just, yeah. I know. I know. I look forward to finding that one day. Yes. Um, but it's something you're involved in. Like it's, yeah. it's another church thing that you're involved yep. in. Right. Yep. But that's part of one world. And you're saying you're, you're balancing out yep. these kind of two worlds. Yep. Do you think that's because you kind of went to school one place and church one place? And um, I moved back to my home. I just did that for middle school and then moved back to my home school, Frederick High. Um, and I think that influenced it, of course, but also just the natural friend groups that came about and the merging of the two because sure. – I was telling people, you know, just come to this thing that happens to be at church. Um, So they would come and it would merge and it would be great. Um, But then that's when it kind of felt a little bit like a party for people versus like, this is what we're actually here for. And our youth leaders really tried to help us, um, you know, focus on what we were supposed to, but we really drove them crazy. I mean, it was bad. Like they would try to take us on mission trips and we would be doing the mission, but also like just, yeah. just trying to hang out and yep. just have fun. And, um, I know it was hard for them. I always was the one that was like in the back trying to be responsible, but they probably knew I was the, the ringleader of everything. Sure. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I think with your mom having like such a big impact, like by default with you being with her all the time, like whether or not you wanted to be a leader in a lot of those spaces, people saw you in that role, you know, and you know, that is tough when you're a teenager specifically when you didn't ask for it, right? Like you want to be a part of it, but you're like, I don't want to have influence and I don't want, you know, I want to be able to step out of this and I want to be able to step away from this. And, you know, we see this a lot in people who grew up in the church where they get into high school and there's this like dichotomy of faith and life and faith and friendships and faith and also learning and faith and kind of testing mm-hmm. limits, yep. you know, and it's weird. It's like this, this innate part of us where we're like, it's, it's, you know, Genesis, right. With Adam and Eve and the, the serpent's like, don't do this yep. thing. And you're like, but what if I do, yep. you know, yep. and it's such a developmental part of teenagers but that's really tough when your family's involved in a church a lot and specifically, you know, with the Pentecostal church where it's like, 
everything you do wrong yep. is sin, which it is sin, but everything you do wrong, watch out because hell's right around the corner. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's like a collision course. Mm-hmm. It never it never turns out, right? Yeah. When you kind of are battling both these sides of things. Um, but especially when people look at you and they, they think, oh, well, that person's an influencer yeah. of, of other people. And you're like, oh. I don't want that. Right. 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 So you're kind of stuck in that place. Yep. Yep. And I, and I felt like I knew what I was supposed to be doing. I knew that God was watching me at all times. I knew that all the things, I knew judgment was all around, but I knew also that yeah, God loved me and God cared about me, but I also needed to be in those spaces because I have to save these people. But then oh, I, sure. I also felt like, no, but this is fun stuff. I, I also need yeah. to be in this and I'm doing fine. I can fast because our church is fasting or our youth group is fasting. Um, and then the next week I, I can also go and stay out all night yeah. with, you know, I was very, I don't know how. I did it, but I was able to just find ways to where I could do both easily and still do great at school, still run track, still, um, you know, have a boyfriend, still do all the things that looked on the outside like it presented so well, um, but then still be able to dabble in those things that wow. were not of God. Really didn't catch up to me. I think I was able to to graduate and able to still stay in the church, but that's when it happened because... Um, I wasn't a youth. I wasn't a child. I was moving into the space of where do I fit at this church? And I was a homebody still. I loved Frederick. I still do. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I eventually moved away a few times, but you know, years come back a year. I always made it a year. That's when things changed. And I think I tried to figure out like, how could I still be involved? So my mom, of course, she's all, she's still doing nursing home stuff. She's still, um, going to church Sunday. So I'll just hang out, go there sometimes, even though I got in at five, just do that. Um, you know, but, but the friend group that everybody dispersed because everybody went to, went to college or was doing their own thing. Um, so then that's when it was kind of like, well, I'm staying, I'm going to FCC. Like I'm not going far. Like, I'm not doing that. Um, I'm staying with my parents. Um, so I kind of got lost in that. And um, with with uh, the amount of time I had on my hands, you know, I was I was working. I was going. I think part, I don't even think I went full time to college. Which now I think, well, I don't know what I was yeah, doing. Yeah. My mom was like, "Yes, you're doing great." Sure. My dad's like, "Yeah, you're doing great." Whatever. Sure. Um, but for me, I mean, I think it probably I could have done a lot more at that time. Um, so having a lot of time on your hands, you know, and, and not knowing where you fit in at church, um, that's when things happen. And I think, um, for me, I had, you know, had a boyfriend throughout high school and it was fine. And then, and then it wasn't because he was older. And that's where a lot of the things happened to where, you know, he was older and I hung out with them, you know, they were older and and things that they could do. I, I felt like, you know, I could do that too. Um, but then it was over. So then I definitely didn't have a space. I definitely didn't have anything to really do except go to school and hang out and party. Um, so my my kind of youth center friends and everything were they're still in Frederick. Yeah. So why not hang out? Why not why not party? Why not go to Baltimore every weekend, yeah. um, starting at 11 p.m. Wow. and coming home at five? Wow. And I guess my pa- you know my mom. Yeah, I was gonna say like did they did they know? Yep. But I was the driver. I was sure, responsible. Sure. I took yeah. care of. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, it's tough to, maybe this is like the hard thing, like having parents that put their faith in Jesus as adults, is that 
and I, I'm thinking about my my own parents. They kind of look at my behavior and think, well, it could have been worse. Yeah. You know, because they, they did worse. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, at least they are in the church or at least they are moving forward because they know what it's like to not do those things. So you said you're the driver. Were you actually the driver or was that the perception of were you perceived as like, oh, it's okay because, you know, we trust Jerrica or were you, were you still trying to balance both those things where it was like, oh, I'm partying, but I'm also driving. Yeah, both. But I was the one that could, I could control myself and sure. really make sure everybody got in the car and, and I had the car. Sure. Um, yeah. So yeah. I was able to do everything. You know, I was able to make sure everybody was at the right space at the right time and leave and wow. we got to come back. We got to, we can't spend the night. Like yeah. we can't just be. But I, I was still pulled into that sometimes yeah. and, um, you know, pulled into those spaces in Frederick and Baltimore in because I had so many different friend little groups that I could connect to while my other friends went on and went to college and did their thing. Yeah. Um, and then bring those other friends to those friends. Sure. So we were just everywhere. Sure, yeah. sure. You know, do you think part of it is like you as a, as a young adult specifically? And this this is very real in the church and the church struggles with this is you know, your experience as a middle schooler and high schooler, and then all of a sudden you're an adult and there's no space for you as a middle schooler. There's no space for you as a, as a former high school. It's like, now you're in, now you're with everybody else. Yeah. But you're like, but, but wait a second, I've been secluded from them for a really long time. You know, then you have to find your place. So you have to figure out who you are as an adult at 18, 19 years old. You got to figure out what you want to do with your life, yep. which is impossible. And you got to figure out, Hey, what is my relationship with church and faith, like when I feel like I've lost some things, Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, you having a a mom that you kind of got to tag along with, a lot of your identity was created through other avenues. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden you're in your late teens, early twenties going, who the heck am I? What was your faith like at that time, right? Because you're struggling to find a place in the church, but did you still feel close to God or was it just like, I'm doing this thing because I've always been doing this yep. thing? Doing the thing, do, just doing the thing. And my faith was the strongest when I was a teenager and I did have spaces to where I wasn't doing anything else except focusing in on him. But it, even when I was, I feel like my faith was stronger. I had organization. I was going to church. I was, you know, being not made to read the Bible, but I wanted to because somebody was reminding me like, hey, this is a good thing and let's do this plan together or let, you know, this is what you're supposed to be doing right now. Um, And kids need that and want that structure and and consistency. So I didn't have any after that. So um, my faith was definitely shaken because everything was slowly going terribly. I didn't, even though I didn't want to leave Frederick, I still wanted to be offered yeah, the chance to leave sure. Frederick. Um, so I dabbled in applying to different schools that were very close, um, but only got into one. So um, it, it showed that I guess my academics were not that good, that I th- you know, as much as I thought. Yeah. So just staying here was kind of a, yeah, I want to, but I also kind of have to because nobody else really wants me. Um, you know, church slowly started to be a, an option instead of a mandatory thing. And my mom really wasn't she was expecting me to be there, but if I wasn't, she was too busy anyway at church. So I slowly stopped, and then, of course, everything else fell off. I slowly stopped you know, reading. I slowly stopped doing all these extra things that would have been connecting me. You know, I tried a little bit of youth group, you know, helping, but it felt weird because I'm, I'm 19, yeah. and I'm helping chaperone, like, um, and babies, you know. I was still a little bit in the nursery, but it was like, 
you've been in here a long time. The nursery, you know, staff started changing after being in this church for 15, 16 years, and I didn't know people as much. We moved, our church moved to a mega church. So we expected all those people to move with us, and some of them didn't. So um, our church that was supposed to be mega was um, was for a moment, and then it really wasn't. And it was it was a lot because of how many kids we had there that moved out and and made the exodus to to college. So I think that part um, left me to where I was either the adult in the room and supposed to be chaperoning or just you come on Sunday and you sit with the people that are old, way older than you and that's it. Um, so I think that's where I got lost and that's where time was on my hands and it, life caught up to me and I think um, that's when the the thing the thing that I thought was a thing that was normal to do even though it was secretive you know um, you know having sex before marriage things like that that caught up to me and I did like a routine uh, visit to the health department and thought I was getting birth control and I was not because I was having a baby and I just did not think that's what they said and I just left and it was like nope Wow. I'm in denial right now. Um, so a few weeks went by. I, you know, I think I, at that point, kind of, you know, knew where to go. I knew to go to Jesus. And I think when I thought about him and what to do, of course, naturally, I know all the programs and agencies in Frederick and kind of was like, okay, I'll call CareNet. So I talked to them. They, they talked, you know, encouraged me, prayed for me, things like that. Um, but I was... I was pulled too much into what other people were going to think. I was pulled too much into guilt, shame, um, embarrassment. I was pulled too much into what the guy had to say about it. Yeah. And despite so much wanting to keep a baby, you know, the thing that I, you know, my mom had a home daycare after school at one point, and I was the helper. I was the helper since 10 at church all the time with these babies. The thing that I always wanted, I always wanted I don't even know how I thought I could have a million babies, but yeah. I always wanted yeah. so many babies. And then the one that I wanted, I didn't know what to do. So ultimately I didn't, I didn't choose to have my baby. And I've, I felt defeated. I felt just, I couldn't believe that someone who was a believer, someone who was sure. a Christian, someone who was the person that was supposed to, um, do the right things at all the right times, especially with something so big that I chose to do that. So I buried it, put it in the past. How old were you at the time? I was 20. Wow. Yeah. I try not to bash the church too, like just the church in general, like the big picture church too much on the, on the podcast. But in, in one of the ways the church fails us is that we don't talk mm-hmm. about sex mm-hmm. and we don't talk about not just the consequences of it, right? But just like why, why you wait, why you trust God with it. But then also what happens if you don't? The shame culture around sex, specifically sex before marriage, creates such a gap that when people do end up getting married or when people do end up finding themselves in a situation that you're in, we don't feel like there's any redemption, any grace, any any future there. And it sucks. Somebody asked me a few weeks ago at starting point, hey, it's collective, you know, what's collective stance on? Mm-hmm. And I, I hate those questions because I, I don't speak on behalf of everybody. Like I'll say, here's what we'll teach. Yeah. 
and someone asked me about like, okay, what is Collective's stance on, you know, being pro-life or, or whatever. And it's a hard question, you know, cause I know what scripture says, like yeah. God, yeah. life, God is in life and God knows us and he wants so desperately for us. But, but my response to the person was, Hey, like, I think it's really easy to answer that question when the church is doing the right thing and caring for people the right way. And you find yourself in this position and the best thing for you would have been able to been, would have been to be able to go to your church and say, Hey, I messed up, yeah. but here's what, here's why I'm, what, what can you help me yeah. with? But most of the time that's not a place where we feel like we can turn. Right. And the problem is then we turn to other things and good organizations or, you know, and good people. Um, but sometimes it's bad organizations and, and, and non God loving, God fearing people. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard for you to have like such a strong church community, but to be in a place where you're like, I don't think I can talk to you about this. Yeah. And so you carry the weight of that. And then, you know, making the decision that you made, like you then have to carry the weight of that at 20 years old. Yep. You mentioned that you, you're like, I know what scripture says. I know what God would want. Did your parents know? Mm-mm. So it was just a secret yep. for you and the guy. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing he felt very differently mm-hmm. than how you felt. Yep. Uh, your friends aren't around. Yep. Gone. I'm assuming you have people around you who have had similar mm-hmm. struggles, made similar decisions, mm-hmm. but buried it similarly. Yep. What did faith feel like coming out of that? I mean, you mentioned shame. Like you feel like that's from God or the church, you know, kind of dig deeper into that. I think I felt shame from church because I did that and then I was going to go back to church. Yeah. I felt shame of not only church, but also I'm going to go walk in and, and go to the altar and pray about this and you know, please forgive my sin over and over and over again. No, I'm just going to not do anything. Just not do anything. Yep. Yep. So church wasn't a part of my life, and I just continued to go on as I would, you know, with college and and just continue to do as I was, you know, just go to church sometimes and just do the Sunday thing. Sure. Um, And I think if only I had one person to say um, or to even go to and say, like, an adult, not a kid because I had one friend that was like, maybe you shouldn't do that. But if I just had one adult that would have said like that I could have went to and said, maybe not. Yeah. Um, I think it would have been different because I had all these adults that taught me the love of Jesus and I saw it through them, but then they all went away and not for all on their own, sure. like not, sure. you know, for any reasons that um, were bad, but it was just, natural progression of, of things yeah. and 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 that's where I got stuck to where I didn't have anywhere to go and the one woman that everybody would have looked at at church was my mom yeah so how could I tell her that sure. you know like when you have parents who are in high level roles in churches whether it's that they are leaders or serving or elders or even pastors mm-hmm. you know I think about my own children and like the weight that they're going to feel when they're teenagers yeah right when you know, my oldest daughter drinks alcohol for the first time before she's 21. Yeah. Like the way she's going to feel, I, I can't even imagine, you know, because yeah. when I drink for the first time, my dad's an alcoholic. Like, it's just like, whatever, yeah. you know, but there's this other pressure that, you know, there's this fear that exists where if you are honest about your brokenness, then everyone then turns on the parent, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. who's a leader. And yeah. it's like, well, you're not raising them the right way. Yeah. You're not as loving as you say you are, you don't love Jesus the way that, because yeah. look at your child. 
that like that judgment and, and the fe- and it's a fear of it. And, and the thing is, it might not even have happened that right, way, right. but it's the fear and like that culture where you're like, I can't be honest about this because I don't, because people are going to look down on me. But also if I'm honest about this, people are going to look down on her. Yep. Look at all the good she's doing. Yep. And I can't take that away from her. Yep. And you're 20 years old yep. trying to essentially protect your mom. Yep. You know, yep. and your family as well as essentially yourself. Yep. Um, I do want to say this too, for anybody who's, who's listening, who has been in this space or like might end up, you know, finding yourself in this place. I mean, acknowledging very clearly the church doesn't do a great job when it comes to loving people who get pregnant, um, outside of marriage, who get pregnant when they're in a relationship, they don't really want to want to be in. Um, and that is a burden. You know, I have talked with our staff about this where it's like, man, we would, we would definitely try to encourage and coach somebody like, Hey, it'd be, have this kid, mm-hmm. but you can't just say, have this kid. It's gotta be, we've, we've got your back yeah. and we've got resources to help with this, or there's families to help with this, or, you know, there's a family here that will adopt the child. Like there's gotta be more than just yep. yes and no. Yep. And, um, that's what makes it so annoying with the church. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, we trust life. We believe in life. We want life. But also as a church, you have to then back that up with your time and energy and resources to say, okay, like this is a, you know, being a single mom is one of the hardest things to be in our culture. Um, Specifically for you, Jerrica, being a single black Mm -hmm. mom, there's not a lot of success in that. What are we doing to find success? What are we doing as the church and as Christians to say, how do we build this, this up? And it's something that um, not a lot of churches have figured out mm-hmm. and um, we do not do a great job yep. loving and supporting people through those decisions and encouraging people to keep children and saying we're, we got you uh, because we're so busy being angry about the sex outside of marriage yep and um, it sucks yep. and you know just so I'm incredibly clear to those listening like man I would love especially if you're a teenager right now you should wait until you're married to have sex. You should. And that's not just biblical science will tell you. Your mental and emotional health will tell you that this is what's what's best. But if you do end up not choosing to go that path, like you cannot hide it and you cannot try to like carry it solo because yeah. there's a lot. And, and Satan uses it a lot and it gets in our head a lot. And we we tend to then carry that for a really long time. Yeah. Right. And that eventually comes out in other ways, yep. you know, as you, you wrestle with that. And so, so there you are, you're 20 faith is, it, you know, it's there, but yeah. it's not there. Yeah. What happens next? Like, how do you, you just kind of start going through life with this weight yep. and yep. this secret. Yep. Obviously it never goes away. Yep. And, and the, the, the part about it is that my friends that were at college, I had friends that weren't, they were having babies. And I'm the only one that chose not to, it seemed like. So these people were, you know, making their decision and I would be helping them with their babies. And um, then I finally, you know, went away and went to college, you know, just in Baltimore. But um, after that is when I decided I need to figure out, like, this is too, this is too much for me. I can't be trying to do this too be in two lives. Yeah. I, I, I'm not really going to church, but I want to, but I'm doing all this craziness and trying to do school at the same time. So how can I go back to what I know? 
go back to his love, go back to his grace that I know he's going to give me, but it's so embarrassing and shameful to admit what he already knows because he saw me. Um, but to finally do that, um, I needed the space to do that because church was my home, my comfort, my thing. Um, so as uncomfortable as it was, I always followed my mom to church. I need to find my own. Yeah. So I finally, you know, moved and was starting a new job and I moved to Laurel. Um, my friend here actually grew up in a church in Columbia. Um, so I kind of just started to go to that church and they had like a young adult group. Yeah. And I was like, man, this is perfect. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm connected. I feel like I'm, I'm, I belong right there in that age group and people that, you know, are kind of going through the same thing of, you know, being, doing adulting and yeah. Um, yeah. figuring that crap yeah, out, feeling, yeah. figuring it out. Yeah. And I think that made me feel like, okay, I'm, I'm in a good space. And, um, I was living in Laurel and about 500 feet from my house was Laurel pregnancy center. Wow. And I just went by it and just kept passing through. And I was like, well, I'm kind of, you know, kind of just working right now. I need something else to do. Let me just go in here and just volunteer. I, wow. I love babies. So I went in there and, and, you know, we did the orientation thing and they're like, well, if you've experienced an abortion, you have to do this class. Wow. And I'm like, no, I can't. I don't, I don't even want to admit I did that. Yeah. Um, so I did it because I still, you know, I wanted to, and I felt like, okay, maybe this is the time I should be saying something about it. But that space gave me the opportunity to, um, grieve, to, yeah. Um, to get his forgiveness um, because I never felt like he was going to forgive me for that Um, because that was always at the top of the top of sins because sin was always looked at to me as, you know, certain things go in order. Um, But I learned then at 22 that it wasn't like that. Nope. That sin is a sin is a sin, yep. and you can have grace too. Yep. And I and I just felt so, I don't know, healed and empowered and, and encouraged when um, there were other, you know, there was only one other lady sitting in the room with me and, and the leader and just going through those weeks of just processing everything and, and, and saying, okay, and now, because you've dealt with your stuff, um, you can help and, and it's not fully dealt with, but as long, you know, you, you went through it a bit. So it's time now to feel more comfortable in helping these girls make a decision yeah. about what they're going to do. Wow. I, I, man, one of the most amazing things you just said is part of that process was grief. Mm-hmm. One, as a culture, we suck at grief. Yeah. We don't, we don't grieve anything well, but what a healthy thing yeah. to allow you to grieve even after you made a decision that that you now regret, mm-hmm. right? It's not to say, no, 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 you deal with it. Yeah. You No, you're not allowed to feel grief yeah. because you made that choice for them to give you space to acknowledge and respond to the pain of that. And even the two years later saying, if this was different, I would do things differently. Yeah. Even acknowledging, I was having a conversation the other day with somebody about grief and they say, you know, your life before whatever tragic thing you go to in your life after, they're never the same yeah. and they can't be. And the problem is we try to make the life after the exact same freaking life and yeah. you can't. Yeah. And for them to give you that space to say, your life is different now and that's okay. Yeah. Now, how do you, how do you move forward with this thing that's happened? That's incredible. Yeah. And not something that I knew was part of, of that care, mm-hmm. but you know, allowing people who have suffered any sort of loss Mm -hmm. in general to grieve is so important Mm -hmm. and so healthy. Um, Did you feel like 
you know, this weight is lifted. Did you feel like you carried yourself differently after that class, like physically, spiritually, emotionally, like all of those things? Yeah, all of those things. I felt a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. I still felt embarrassment because we talked about how to, if this was a a secret, um, how to even share this with someone and not so much hear so much about their judgment, but remember his love on top of it all. So, so many things that, that happened there that made me feel better, feel growth, feel so many things. That's great. Yeah. So you're 22. Do you feel like at that point, your relationship with Jesus is moving forward? And and specifically, do you feel like for you, like you're trying to, you're finally figuring out this is mine? Yeah. Yep. This is my life. This is my church. This is my, my relationship. I, I don't have to think about how I used to read the Bible or how I used to, um, worship like yeah. my mom yeah. or yeah. like, yeah, um, yeah. Yep. do all of the things. I mean, you know, people literally call me my mom's name because we yep. are almost like exactly the same. Yeah. So I think to he to have my own identity, like physically, mentally, but have my own identity in him too was yep. the big thing that finally at 22, I was able to do yeah. on my own. Yeah. How long did you stay in Laurel and, you know, how long were you a part of that church and, and serving and um, helping with the pregnancy clinic, all that stuff? Two years two or three. And then, um, I met Craig right when we, yeah. when we kind of, well, actually I met Craig in college. I was, okay. you know, graduating and, um, met him. He was older than me, but yeah. And he's uh, not from here. No, right. No, His family is no, from he was visiting hood college and came here. What? Yep. At a party, went to Laurel and then he would start in school. He was starting school again. So he actually, um, moved to North Carolina. And then I was like by myself again, trying to figure out life. But I had, Jesus, I had my church home, I had yeah. consistency, and then I said, I need to move back to back to, to Frederick. Frederick. So um, moved back to Frederick and, and then found my own identity again because my mom left the church that you know I grew up in and everything like that. Um, she actually um, started going to a Messianic Jewish church, and okay. I started... I went there like maybe once or twice. Yeah. Like, I don't know, mom. Um, <laughs> You're like, so, wait a second. <laughs> this yeah. is a little bit different than the Pentecostal. Yeah, it's a little different. Um, so I, I kind of then found my own way Yeah. At, at that point and found my own church and found my own thing. But yeah. 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 And you, so you and Craig dated long distance for a while. Yep. But even marriage was yep. essentially long distance yep. as he did his residency. Yep. You had a baby. baby. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Had a baby, went to, um, well, we got married. We were separated during that planning season, yeah. marriage. Yeah. Then I moved to Nashville, got pregnant, had a baby, and he was finishing school. And I said, well, I, I think I need a family around yeah. while you do this. So um, I came back to Frederick, yeah. moved with mom and dad, and um, he finished and then um, didn't get a residency here. Yeah. When that happened, he you know went on and I said, for consistency for for the baby we should you know just we know how to do this we know how to do long distance let's just keep separate and and we did and I think that was a a growing time for us but I I still had um, my mom and dad and I I still had that community that I you know my whole family lives here my entire family lives here so um, it was a great chance for um, stability and and to have you know love in the house and and for him to focus on that but finally we're He's done that, and we're yeah. back together in Frederick. Yeah. But um, it, it was, you know, very tough, but very hard. And now we have 
two boys. Yeah. 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 So what was that like? Craig's gone. Yeah. And he's there. Like Mm -hmm. he's just busy. And I remember when he didn't get the residencies close by, we were all, it was one of those things like we prayed a lot for and then it didn't happen. But to be honest, I remember thinking like, wait, what the heck? Like, that's not the way this is supposed to happen. You, You know, Jerick asked us to pray for this thing. We were praying for this thing, you know, Craig's a wonderful person. Craig's going to be here. And then it was like, strike out, strike out, strike out, you know. But he ends up in Boston, right? Mm-hmm. And you're kind of raising a kid solo. Yep, yep. What was that like? Because that's, were there times when, when you looked at your son and were like, what could have been, what would have been, yep. you know, did that bring up more wrestling with God? Did that... If anything, like, did you feel peace in that? Because, like, you you knew, you're like, nope, like, this is how I know God is good because I yeah. feel peace with this. Yep. What did that feel like, specifically in your relationship with God? Um, I felt like after it happened, I initially felt I will never have a baby again yeah. because that will be my punishment. I will never be able to have a baby. Um, so it was just such a blessing when I was able to have Caleb and see him grow and, and and just, it was just a pure gift. I, I just couldn't believe it. I thought it was yeah. a miracle. And I, I think that that truly, seeing the gift of life and for me to actually um, experience it and to be able to have support, you know, that that truly showed that he was real, he was good, and he forgave me. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's funny because we, we keep talking about grace. And at Collective, we say grace is endless second chances in, like, this very beautiful way, like, you have experienced a second chance mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and, and having a second kid, yeah. like it's another chance. But when God promises that to us, we struggle to comprehend what that'll feel like or look like. Um, but man, when we get to experience like what grace really is yeah. and the gift of a child and the gift of being able to, to raise him and having the people around you and, um, uh, but also just having the understanding that God is that's good through both, the bad and the, 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 the hard and the easy and the life giving scenarios is, is pretty incredible. Um, so Craig eventually gets back here, mm-hmm. uh, COVID hits yep. and he has a very complicated job, mm-hmm. uh, where COVID has a major impact on, um, but now like you have this full family mm-hmm. and Craig's here, you've got your two boys, um, and, and, and Caleb's around the age you were, yeah, right, when you started to kind of have those those views of, like, your mom and, and her faith and all that stuff. Yeah. And so what is that like, you know, kind of stepping out as like, and being the mom and dad in that scenario, raising yeah. your kids in the church to love Jesus? Uh, what does that feel like? It's repeating itself um, as yeah. far as, but I, we have Craig here which yeah. is different because I didn't have my dad there yeah. um, in the church. So I think it's different. It's it, it's going great that he can have, he can have both yep. and then see that we're both on the same page. Yep. Um, because I didn't have that. There is the ability to have a safe two parent household yep. that loves God yep. and that's able to grow you. And that eventually you're going to do this on your own because you have the foundation. Yeah. Here. Yeah. yeah. And, and really like, ba- you know, your life experience even though it's going to be similar to the way you raise your kids, the way you were raised, like because of what you've been through, you and Craig both are going to have this unique perspective of like, how do you make sure your boys really start to choose their own faith a little bit earlier, yeah. right? Like that the bottom doesn't fall out on them when they yeah. become young adults because um, 
because it happens. And I would even say, like, I, I know there are students that listen on this podcast and because they have really good parents who have them listen. Uh, side note, if you are the parent of a middle school or high schooler, your children yes. should be listening to this podcast. Um, but, man, middle schoolers and high schoolers, like, you are going to come to that place when, when you graduate, and it feels like the bottom falls out. And it kind of does, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you stay local. I did the same thing. Stayed local for a year. All my friends left. I was like, what am I doing with my life, yeah. you know? And one of the best things that you can do is really understand you are trying to figure out who you are and to start making those decisions kind of high school of like, mm-hmm. what is faith going to be like for you? Mm-hmm. Not for you in light of your family, yeah. for you, you know, so that when you're in college, what is faith like for you? Because if you go away, your parents aren't there. Right. And if you stay local, you don't want to have right. the same thing as them. Yeah. Nope. And so, you know, you guys have this unique opportunity to raise your kids to love Jesus but also to help them know, hey, at some point, yeah. this is on you. Yep. And you can kind of see that already, especially with Caleb. Yeah. You yep. Know, yep. Um, it's clicking for him. Yep. You know, growing up in this church and growing up with two parents who, who lean in, uh, you're seeing it. And yep. it's in- incredible. And he's one of the coolest little kids I've ever <laughs> met in my life. Um, so, so one of the things, Jerrica, that's true about you is so much of what you do, and, and the same is true for Craig, you guys both serve like crazy. But specifically, you're a social worker. Mm-hmm. And right now, a lot of your life is serving people mm-hmm. who need people. It's caring for people. And, and you and I have talked about this during COVID because I remember at one point, I was like, it was like Candy Crawl Tuesday. Like, How are you doing? And you're like, I am working all the time mm-hmm. right now because during mm-hmm. COVID, like when things hit the fan, all of a sudden, like social workers, counselors, you know, these professionals who, we admire, but like misunderstand. All yeah. of a sudden it was like your workload is 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Yep. So much of your life though is caring for the same type of people that your mom cared for. Yeah. Um, but, but really also caring for people like you. Mm-hmm. And so um, why have you made those decisions to put yourself in a place where you're going to love the single mom, you're going to love the young adult wrestling with the decisions that they're making when it comes to sex and when it comes to marriage, when it comes to mental health, um, why have you now committed so much of your life really to loving what you needed, yeah. you know, when you were that age? Yeah. I think because of that, I needed that. And it like, what would have happened if I had that Yeah, and consistency? I yep. need to, I know I need to stay in spaces for the longevity of time because, um, that's what kids are looking at. They're always watching. They're always looking. And, you know, I, I learned that through my mom, my dad, you know, when, when people are waving at him and they were in jail, like, why, why are you wait? Why are they yelling your name? It's because he treated them as human. He didn't treat them as whatever they did. And he's always, you know, instilled that in me. And I think, um, you know, so, so that grew with me. And then just seeing now how much kids are struggling. Um, it's just like whatever we say in the room with them and whatever we're working on, they, they don't, you know, they hear it, but it's like, they just want you to be there. Yeah. 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 And that's part of the reason why you've served in Collective Kids for five years, mm-hmm. way more Sundays than we can count. You have held every baby in this church. Yep. And for us at Collective, you know, one of the, one of the things that we don't even have to push for this in our Collective Kids team because the, the men and women back there are so incredible, but we do hope for consistency mm-hmm. because we recognize that collective might be a place where they get more consistency than they do at home. Anywhere else. Yeah. Yep. And, um, 
and you've been that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you've held my babies, mm-hmm. um, yep. which I appreciate a lot mm-hmm. um, because you love my babies. Yep. And um, I'm just so humbled to be able to hear your story and to be able to share this because God has taken something that that you don't love, mm-hmm. that you don't look at and go, oh man, I would do this the same thing all over again. You look at it and you go, I hate this. Yep. And you have taken that, that low, low moment of your life and you've become who we know you to be. Mm-hmm. And it's incredible. The love that you show for other people is unreal. And, and I'll just say this too, like, because our relationship goes back years um, and you've been here since day one. So much of the reason why collective is good is because even in those hard seasons when Craig was in residency and you're raising a kid, you were leading groups, you were leading people, you're caring for people. Um, you are one of those people that if you know people have been coming to collective for a while, I'm like, oh, why do I love this place? It's like there are people like Jerrica, like you, that sit behind the scenes that it's like because that consistency is there. And um, man, like even in those hard seasons. And, and I remember you and I sitting down and talking at Starbucks about like, this is hard. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Like, do I move? Do I stay? And it was like, I don't know what advice to give you outside of you've got people. Yeah. And now you are that person for so many others, that consistency and that care, you know, shout out to the nursery team just in general of people who as a parent, like I can come to a church and I know my kids are cared for. Yeah. And I know when I hand them off, my kids are held and they're loved and they're seen. And, um, you know, we joke that nursery's just holding babies. Um, you want to hold babies to join the nursery. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not, that's not what it is. You know, it's, Hey, if you want to provide stability for these kids yeah. and comfort and nurturing care and love for a parent who is a single parent, yeah. who has a parent who's, you know, or a spouse who's working somewhere else mm-hmm. or who's in the middle of postpartum mm-hmm. or honestly just needs a breather. Yeah. Like that, that's the nursery. And, um, you've been doing that since day one. Yeah. You've held so many babies mm-hmm. in this church and, um, you know, it's felt and we, and we see that. Um, so right now, what is your relationship with Jesus feel like? It feels full. It feels full circle. It feels like it's mine. Yeah. Um, it feels like it's he and I, not he, I, and my mom. Yeah. Um, it feels like I'm able to just say, hey, God, I just want to bring this to you today. Or, you know, it, it feels like that close relationship, just yeah. like he's he's my dad, just yeah. talking to him. Yeah. And I didn't feel that before. Um, so I feel like um, now it's full, now it's complete, and it's never complete. I'm always learning, always growing, but um, it feels different because it is mine and it feels different because I have community, which, okay, I grew up in church my whole life, sure. but I've, I grew up in church my whole life. So I have all these experiences. I have all the things, different types of ways you do groups and different types of ways you um, do Sundays and all these things. But this way, I know people say, you know, collective's different because we're real and because we're, you know, we're able to have community and we're able to do things um, differently and we're able to just show God's love in so many different ways. Um, And that's why 
people that's what people long for yeah they, they yeah. so long for community and belonging and just relationship and we're able to have that on a big scale and then one-on-one um and different age groups that's yep. a big thing too yep. um to have so many different age groups and people that i can look up to and people that i can teach to or that can watch me yeah obviously i'm biased and i love collective but i think about those late high school early college years and and the struggles going, man, I, I wish I had a place like Collective, even if I would have taken it for granted and wouldn't fully understand yeah. it. Um, you know, because when you're 20 years old and, you know, for the and for those listening who are in your 20s and like you hear this podcasting, like, that's normal. This isn't normal. Yeah. These conversations aren't normal. Um, sitting down and being vulnerable isn't normal. Having space for people to share their stories so that you, as you wrestle, know that you're not alone is not normal. Um but, you know, it, it, man, is it good to have. Yeah. And, um, and and so much of what you do is to create that space for other people. All right. So um, let's move to advice and, and wisdom. You know, uh, <laughs> one of the benefits of, of us getting older and going through some stuff is sometimes we get the opportunity or the platform to share, here's what I've learned. Here's what God has taught me. Here's what I've seen. And so if you had any wisdom that you've gained from your own life like um, or advice to share, what would that be? Even if you feel alone, remember that God is with you and that there is someone out there that you can talk to um, and, and God is there. And going to him versus going to all the other people that you probably are going to go to, sure, um, sure. go to him first um, because he's the one that can create a sense of peace that nobody else can give you. Um, and despite how many friend groups or, or people that you know that can give you advice, whether it be good or bad, um, he's the one that, that needs to come first. Yeah, that's really good. And, and I, I want to say this too. And, you know, no matter if, if, you know, 20 something episodes into this podcast, like if you are listening to the podcast and someone shares something and that's like hitting your heart in a certain way and you need to talk to somebody, like you need to reach out to us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can DM us on social media. You can email info at mycollective.church. Just come find me on a Sunday. Um, because I, I never want people at Collective to feel like they're the only one mm-hmm. and the only one feeling a certain way or going through something or holding on to something. You know, we carry these things with us for 30, 40, 50 mm-hmm. years. Meanwhile, we're surrounded by people that are carrying the same or similar weights we just never know that it's there, yeah. you know? And so part of this whole podcast is to kind of push against that understanding in the world, not just the church, but in the world and say, Hey, like you've been through some stuff and you're not alone, but if you are in that place um, and you need people, like you got to reach out to us yeah. and you know, we'll do everything we can to love and care for you in the way that Jesus would. Right. Cause that, that's ultimately what we need. You know, Jerrica, that's, it's, I think it's, that's true advice for, for anything that we go through um, is, you know, God first and, and let him push and, and understand that there is some unknown on the other side of that, you know, where he might ask us to do some things that we're not ready for. Um, but then hopefully then he puts the right people, you know, in the right places as, as you go down that path. All right. Last question, admittedly, and I've said this before, like I underestimated this question. I genuinely thought I would ask for people's favorite Bible verse and it would be like the same four. Um, and it hasn't been which is incredible. And I think that's one of the most life-giving parts of this podcast is understanding that the Bible is, is full of incredible wisdom and knowledge and peace and hope. Um, and everybody hears it at different times and receives it different ways and different things hit them. Um, and so I want to know for you, 
what's your favorite Bible verse or, or, you know, the one that like you wake up in the morning, this is your thing. Uh, it could be more than one. If you've got more than one through like kind of those different favorite phases, but like scripture wise, like what's the thing that kind of hits you the hardest? I think during that time. And when I looked back, um, I had to think about like what, what came to my mind, which, you know, scripture did come to my mind. That's all I was thinking about how, how I could avoid thinking about it. And then how I, it just still like, still came on to me. And I thought about second Corinthians 12, nine, and it says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient to you for my power is made perfect in weakness. And, um, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness for, so that Christ's power may rest in me. And I think about the weakness part because I was weak during that time, but, but he is so much stronger than that. Yeah. That's really good. Jerica, thank you. I know that this isn't easy. Under, understanding that um, for you to sit in this seat today and, and share part of your story, it takes a lot of courage, a lot of vulnerability. And um, I'm so thankful for that. I, I know without a shadow of a doubt, Collective is the type of church it is because of you and because of Craig, because of your care, your leadership, your prayer. You're not just like the care that people see because Craig's on the medical team and this year has been brutal and he <laughs> seems to be doing a lot of uh, physical like medical care. But the peace that you guys have given to this church and people in this church uh, is unreal. For people listening who don't know you, you know, because you guys are so behind the scenes, when you walk into a place and you feel like this is a safe place for me to wrestle with my doubts and wrestle with my brokenness and wrestle with my past and wrestle with my family of origin and all those things... Um, I just want you guys who are listening to know that um, that's because there are people at Collective like Jerrica and Craig and other people who've shared on this podcast who are willing to put themselves out there to create the space that they know they needed at some of the hardest times of their life. And um, Jerrica, you've been doing that since day one. Uh, You've been doing that through hard seasons um, and you've just loved people so, so well in this church. And I'm so thankful for you. I'm thankful for Craig. Thankful for the boys. Um, and uh, really honored to sit with you today. And so thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. Thank you. And thanks, Jerrica. 